How's life been? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been very busy last month. Doing what? Working on a corona crisis like almost everybody else in this world, I guess. So that's what I want to talk to you about. What do you think yeah. about all this? Tell me what's going on. Uh, what do I have to think about that? Uh, it's a crazy world. It is. It's yeah. It, it's amazing that um, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I, this is my first pandemic, so I'm I'm not really very skilled at this. I guess with most of us, oh. because uh, because a real pandemic. It's a long time ago, I guess. I, I, I think we had one in the 70s, and then and the most uh, known one is is is, uh, is is the Spanish flu, in the in uh, right after the First World War. So if you were like 102 years old, you would have experienced the Spanish flu. Probably, yeah. And I guess those people can't give us uh, too much information about how to deal with this. Yeah, they, well, they they'll give it to us, but they're being kind of sneaky about it. <laughs> Everybody, Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Podcast. How are you? Okay, today I am excited. I so I'm just so one of my favorite podcasts ever in the history of the pod. And there's been a lot of podcasts. I mean, I I don't like to look at it because it's there's a lot, and it makes me think, uh, well, that's a lot. But one of my very favorite ones happened, and Burgess told me this, so I know it now. Five years ago. When I interviewed a young fire operations manager from Antwerp, Belgium, the city in the port. So if you don't know much about Antwerp, Belgium, uh, so it's it's gorgeous. It's 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 a really you should go there. I mean, when they let us go there, you should go there. It's also one of the world's major ports. And so there's a lot going on there. And I interviewed this young fire fire ops person, operations manager person at the time and he said to me there's one thing before we go on and i said what's up and we're just having a conversation he said uh, i may have to leave because there's a bomb threat in the art museum and i don't know why that just is it's just kind of uh etched its way into my brain in fact on the hundredth episode i replayed that just because i liked it so much well, time has passed. Five years has gone by. Much has happened. And today's podcast, we're going to talk to that young fire operations person who's now the chief of Antwerp, both the city and the port. Uh, and he is amazing. If you don't know Bert Bergermans, you're about to get a chance to. And I hope you actually get a chance to know him. His presentations uh, on resilience especially around capacity for sustainability are among the best in the world. And I'm not saying that lightly. In fact, let me give you a little taste of why they're the best. He has um, many loves, an amazing family. Uh, he's passionate about his work, but he loves classical music and he uses Lego men for his slides. So all his slides are, uh, are, pictures of Lego people taken really low and in an angle. So they look like they're at scale. And then he uses classical music as uh, really a, a presentation theme throughout his entire presentations on things like resilience and safety. This stuff we talk about, right? It's uh, it's completely amazing. 
and he's just really good at it. Plus, he's just a great guy. And he reached out to me, and actually, I'd, I'd kind of reached out to him. We were having a psychic uh, moment there because I miss him a lot, actually. And we decided to get together and, and talk about um, the world. I was mostly curious how his job was impacted by the pandemic. And, and that's what we talk about. But it's funny, that part of the conversation, and you'll hear it because I'm definitely going to play it for you. That's what this is all about. I don't just sit here and have this conversation without giving you the payoff. But his part of the conversation immediately led to leading organizations involved in complex management of change. So get your boss ready and play this one for him because there's a lot here. Um, the depth and breadth of his experience in both leading a large um, organization and understanding resilience, it's, it's as if the moment was made for this time. And so that's the conversation. Other than that, um, how are you? So the new world we live in is happening, and I'm reading really interesting things that concern me greatly, and and so that's frightening to me at a bunch of levels. It's the the belief that there is no problem does not override the fact that there is a problem, and wanting to believe. The problem has gone away or is greatly amplified or magnified or whatever word you want to use doesn't really encompass the fact that it hasn't changed very much. And so the world is still in a remarkable state of flux, even though we're tired of it. And we are. We're t- I'm, I'm the first to tell you I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of it. But that pressure to be normal doesn't really outweigh the risk. In fact, it, it kind of puts us in a position where the risk is becoming unknown, uh, um, unrecognized is probably a better word. And, and that, I think, is creating its own set of new problems. So it's not like, uh, it's not like we're going to get out of this without learning a lot. Uh, nature and the universe and our organizations and our friends and families and our governments and our nations are going to continually teach us stuff whether we want to or not. Not that that's depressing, although I would suggest that really borderlines kind of on depressing. It's also an incredible opportunity for us to to become stronger and better and more agile and more flexible and to bounce forward. And I think that, my friends, is uh, is what keeps the light on at the end of the tunnel, Right? That's the that's the ray of hope that's ahead of us. And I think I'm saying all this because this was such a great conversation with Bert. I I just I almost can't wait to play it for you. That's how excited I am. So so sit back, grab a nice cup of cold brew coffee, because why not get as snooty as possible? And cold brew coffee is relatively snooty, if you ask me. Uh kick your feet up on the corner of your file cabinet at the edge of your desk and uh, listen carefully to this conversation. I think it's, uh, it's worthwhile. So this is Bert Bergermans, uh, Chief of the Fire Service, Antwerp, Belgium, both the city and the port. He's an impressive dude. Yeah. 
So what are you doing? What what exactly uh, is the yeah, role since, you're uh, since 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 three years or four years, I'm the I'm the I'm the chief for the fire service in Antwerp. Uh, wow. So I, I was the director of operations when we first when we last talked. Um, I saw that it was five years ago, Todd. I know, isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so it was five years ago, and um, it was uh, Stan. Uh, you know Stan, eh? Stan Peters. Yes. Uh, he told me that you wrote this new book. Um, and then I, 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 I bought it. Uh, I'm reading your book right now. And when I saw the title, I, th- I thought I have to talk to Todd again. I have to know what he's up to. And, um, and, and I have to know what you're doing right now because, because only the title, and now I'm reading it, it's, it's very good. <laughs> only the title, I thought, yeah, we, we're working on the same things. This is uh, so good. Um, so um, you, you know that your podcast is my one of my very favorite podcasts because when you it started great. The, when you started the podcast you said i may have to leave because there may be a bomb in the museum yeah, i remember <laughs> i remember and i'm so happy it wasn't a bomb that was a nice ending to that yeah true this is great i we talked we talked a lot about leadership back then yeah and about uh about different type of leadership you need um in a crisis and uh about uh, about about the fact that you have to lead experts, and that that's a completely different approach than leading a normal organization. I remember it very, was a great talk. Very much so. And now now you're doing it. And how how does it happen in an applied way? I mean, being the chief now, you 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 lead many experts all day long, every day. Yeah, true. Uh, and and they're all busy with uh, safety all day long. Um. A couple of years ago, I had to make a decision uh, about what to do. So I, uh, I, um, uh, I decided to uh, to apply for the the, the, the position of chief. Eh? My predecessor he uh, he left on retirement, and so uh, there were two candidates. And uh, one was uh, was like the the the, 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 the obvious candidate. Uh, he was uh, at the age of becoming uh, the next fire chief, and um, but he was he was old school fire service and. Um, the, the board decided to go for me and then decided to uh, to go for the new type of fire service. So um, uh, more technologically aimed uh, new new approach on on um, on continuity of the city and not only on being uh, the the red cars that go to the fire, uh, but on a new approach to the fire service. So uh, that's uh, that's why I got uh, got chosen to be the next uh, fire chief in in Antwerp and it has been a great job uh, last four years. What has it taught you? What have you learned? The last years? Yeah, because uh, you um, know you must be just learning things every day. Yeah, absolutely. I learned a lot. I, I, I think I also grew uh, a lot since since back then, but um, uh, it's, it's, it's different. Um, I, what I think is, the, is the, the, the most interesting thing is the fact that an app can, can look at the organization from a very broad perspective. You're not only working on the operations, but you're also working on everything that needs to be done in order to make the operations run and, and uh, go smoothly. And uh, so that's a much broader approach. And, and the politics, of course, is sure. also something uh, different. So I, I guess those are the things that I learned most uh, most on and, and um, uh, one of the things um, that I was uh, only yesterday uh, reading in your book was about um, about the role of management, about the distance between management and, um, and and the operations, and the fact that as a manager you're far from 
a position where you where you have risks where you where you um, have the risk of uh, of getting hurt um and, and and i'm i'm very aware of the position i have right now that it's also far away from uh from from the operations and that uh that's something you have to take into account and and, and, and um protect yourself from uh protect yourself from from uh, stepping into that that gap or that risk of becoming the next ceo that uh, that's very far from his uh, people and so on so those are the things that i'm working on and that I'm uh, learning and, uh, and experiencing and making a lot of mistakes on, of course, also. But that that separation, how, how are you? How are you taking care of? How are you really learning what the worker does? What the, what? I mean, that's really tough because your status yeah. alone probably changes yeah. the environment when you when you move into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 so difficult. Um, what I'm doing, I do, I'm doing a lot of things. I, I, of course, I've got the benefit that I'm um, still very young and that I'm, I have, I have started from the bottom up, so that gives me a head start on that, uh, on that, on that fact. But I still go to the stations and I still go um, talk to people. I talk to people a lot. Uh, actually, I often say that that's that's my job, talking to people. So um, I, I try to talk to to firefighters a lot, and I'm. Uh, what I what I try to do with my organization, but it's not always successful, of course. Uh, it's it's uh, something often very difficult. Um, is is that we? I try to get my my directors um, um, to lead the organization on a day-to-day basis, so that I can focus on the culture of the organization and talking to people and the politics of the organization, so that my focus is on getting the culture right and not on day-to-day ba- uh, problems. Of course, in reality, 80% of my job is, is, is day-to-day problems, but it's better than 100% of my job, than that being 100% of my job. So that, that's what I'm trying to do, to keep connected to, um, to the organizations, to the operations, and make the right decisions. How has this changed the way you think about safety? I, it only it only taught me that that it's very it's it's even more complex and difficult than we always think it is. Um, so uh, it's even more complex than I ever thought. That um, uh, that's for sure. I would agree with you. <laughs> As I get but older, I'm, I, I yeah. realize um, it's more complex than we ever imagined it was. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm you you can you can make some difference. Uh, for example. Uh, we were in an organization that had, that had a, a quite a big blame culture, if I look back on it. Uh, and so um, since I'm the chief, uh, nobody got an official blame. Um, of course, people made mistakes and we have a, we have an, uh, a system for uh, evaluating people and for, for uh, trying to get them the, the functioning right. But we didn't give them punishments. And that used to be the case. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that I... Had impact on uh, no punishments anymore, uh, no punishments because because the the system uh, failed and people didn't do their job right and then uh, try to find the the last one who uh, had something in his hands and then he's the one who made a mistake. So so we're looking more at the system uh, than we used to do uh, as an organi- as in the organization as a whole. Has it changed your leadership questions? Has it changed the questions that you and the other leaders of the organization ask? Um, for me, um, the focus has gone more to 
to to like a, a political level of, of leadership and that's i don't only mean the the political level of the mayor and, and the political parties and so on but also the fact that you have to uh, balance a lot of powers in the organization you're always working on balancing powers um it's it's a myth that the, the ceo or the the head of an organization has all the power uh, is taking account uh, a lot of powers in the organization organization so you're constantly uh, balancing powers and that's that's completely different than any other leadership uh, job I, I ever did, because then you're talking about uh, managing and leading people and 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 st even strategic leadership where you where you're working on on getting the organization um, prepared for for the next years and for the for the challenges that come. But but uh, in this position, it's about it's a lot about politics and balancing power, and that's new. That's that's um, completely different. Um, a thing to work on and that 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 understanding and managing those kind of relationships that's kind of a different form of risk i mean you're managing a, a whole new form of risk or or, or yeah. much different than operational risk um have you yeah. have you learned some some techniques to be successful there uh, it's uh, it's it's there's no book about it there's no manual about it maybe you should write a field book about that because it's really um making a lot of mistakes and then trying to to survive in that uh in that context it's really difficult but it's the way you recover from those mistakes right the way you yeah. learn and improve and go on yeah and one of the main things i learned is um is uh oh it's my dog <laughs> is, that, is that a fire dog telling us there's no, a fire? no no it's just my my dog at home <laughs> oh that's fine i'm trying i'm trying to decide what the dog's saying to us uh it's barking at the horse uh, next oh. uh, next to our house uh, yeah, oh, okay, it's a horse dog interface. Yeah, no, no yeah. worries, no problem. <laughs> stuck. No, so um, um, one of the main things I learned in that in that context is to uh to be um, to be honest to yourself and to be able to stand in your uh, your own feet. So, um, and 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 if you're making a mistake, to admit a mistake and not trying to um to cover it up, um, because once you're you're starting to cover things up and 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 run away from your responsibility. Uh, then it's uh, then then you're you're done because then then you your your whole the trust in you is gone and your team doesn't trust you anymore and the people you're working with don't trust you anymore. So if you make a mistake, just admit a mistake and and, and learn from it and move on. And that's that's what I learned uh, to do because um, you have to be honest. It sounds like a combination of courage and humility. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's what it sounds like you just described. How prepared? Or just humanity, uh, being a good human. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a like a Superman power or something like that. It's just being a good human and, and saying, okay, I made a mistake. Uh, I, I I I I did something that's maybe not honest to to that guy or that guy, and just say sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. So um, that's that's one of the the important lessons I learned. I think that's a that's a very important lesson. How yeah. how prepared were you guys? How much capacity do you have for the COVID nineteen? I mean, how much did this change what you do? Um, actually, one of the very interesting things for me about about COVID is is the fact that um, since I'm I'm the fire chief, my focus uh, has completely changed, and I'm going to explain myself. Um, I, I but the the reason I, or the, the way I convinced my board to choose to choose from me as the fire chief is by explaining them that um, that the fire service uh, 
uh, has to be considered as 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 uh, an organization that uh, is responsible for resilience of the city as a system. And so I, I convinced them that to look at, at the city of Antwerp and the port of Antwerp as a system, maybe something like almost a living system, um, and that you need uh, systems and, and, and structures and organizations that um, that that protect that city when it's uh, attacked by something. It can be a fire, but it can be an explosion. It can be a pandemic. It can be everything. Um, and that this this uh, this threat, this attack, um, threatens its its existence, its its continuity. Um, and and uh, I convinced them to look at, at the fire service that way, and and to invest in the fire service, uh, not as not and not looking at the fire service as a mere cost. You have to have firefighters, and they cost a lot. But to look at it as a benefit, as an investment in in long term survival. So that being said. Um, the the pandemic, the COVID nineteen pandemic, was a really good um, example for me of a case where our city, as a city system, and our country, uh, and even much of the world, uh, continuity was threatened, and we had our chance as a fire service to prove that we were a very very important part of the of the structure to keep society going on and running. Uh, as smooth as possible, and to keep the the port of Antwerp running, keep our economy running, keep uh, healthcare uh, running. So we are not responsible for that, of course. Uh, uh, the nurses and the, and the doctors are in most uh, way, but we we were able to give a lot of support to them and give a lot of support to the people in the city and to ma make sure that they were safe and that, that as much as possible could go on in the city. So we proved as a service that we are. We are in this position of, of helping the city as a system uh, to uh, to survive and to, to to be resilient and to cope with very threatening events, even like a global pandemic. That's um, that's really interesting. This notion that that capacity exists at all levels is remarkable. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? What are you learning through this? I mean, where where were you good on capacity? Where did you need more capacity? What lessons did you take from this? Uh, the, the main lesson I, I learned again, no, it was, was it was more like confirmation of something I knew is that, that the fact that that you, you can't prepare for this, uh, you can make very good plans and, and try to make to prepare for everything, but there will always be things that you don't prepare that you didn't see in advance that you that you're not that that are different from the way you expected it to be. Um, and so uh, it was really uh, our and, and, and also from other organizations our uh, cap capacity to deal with uh, very unexpected events, very unexpected problems, and even very big problems, and to, to find solutions for that, and to keep uh, keep on working and keep our uh, I say um, our, uh, our uh, key respons responsibilities and our key key tasks intact. That that was was the that was our strength. Um, so I, I had to focus the last months on two things. That was on one hand, I of course I, I advised uh, in crisis uh, in crisis uh, management groups and in national level, provincial level, city level, and so on. And on the other hand, the main task was to keep the fire service running and to make sure that we could could complete the task of being this this stabilizing structure for for a city in a very in very difficult circumstances. And what I what I also learned from it is that during such a crisis, 
nobody asks the question, is this my job? Um, I saw firefighters do, uh, do assignments that I could never imagine they were going to do in, in normal conditions. So uh, that's the strength of this organization. Uh, and that, that's what we have to use in, in cities and in, uh, also in, in companies. We have to use this type of structures when, it's, when our, when our sur survival is threatened, when, when our mere existence is threatened. So uh, that's, that's really um, what the last three months have been about. What, what will change because of this? Uh, what will change or what, uh, what I hope will change... Either is fine. Either yeah. would be a great answer. What I hope will change is, is that companies uh, and cities and countries um, will, will uh, look at um, not only at short-term um, uh, profits and short-term benefits, um, but also at um, long-term survivability. If, you're, if you have a company and you uh, look, look at your profit every year, and so you say, okay, I make profit year one, year two, year three, I'm, I'm doing very well. But at year 10, there happens, there's an event that kills your company and you go broke, you go bust. Then, um, then, then your profit in the first 10 years is, is worth nothing. So um, probably it's better to invest every year a little bit in, in long-term survival um, to make sure that you also reach this year 11 and year 20 and year 30 and maybe even, even further. So I hope... Um, and I'm not sure that will happen um, after the crisis. Maybe we go back to, to, to full normal, but I hope that, um, that, that, that companies will look much more at survival and much more at very low probability, very high impact incidents uh, where, the, where the survival of, of the system, whether it's a company or a city or whatever, is threatened. I, I really hope that happens and that... Um, that you and I get a lot of questions after this and, and get a lot of uh, attention from companies because that's what we're working on. Um, the, the, the event that you never wish that happens uh, with your company, um, what, your, what your last book is about. Um, if, if, if that happens to your company, how do you survive? How do you go on? And you have to invest in that every year, but it costs you money on the short term. And I hope it changes. Yeah, the, the reason I, I I wrote you, it was just your book and just the reason. Okay, this this is what it's about now. This, this yeah. is this is just the the, the spot-on book uh, in at this moment of the crisis because people really have to know that in order to survive, in order to 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 move on, we have to think about survivability in the long term and not only about short-term profit and and. Um, and so on, and if I look at, at at other problems that we are facing, like climate change, and okay, you can you can discuss about the the possible impacts and so on and so on, but if you look at possible events in the climate change, then 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 you can you cannot um, um, or you you may not uh, deny that 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 your survivability as in your company and in your in your country and your city is at risk. And so uh, you have to be, you have to prepare for that. I agree. Even, 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 even as a citizen, I'm not saying that we all have to become preppers, not at all, but preparing a little bit, being a little bit more ready and more resilient against some, some threats like, like um, failure of the, of, of power, um, uh, water not coming out of the, of, 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 this, of the water pipes uh, during a couple of days. 
it's not that unimaginable anymore that, that we don't have water anymore, or ga gas, or, or, or electricity, or internet, or whatever. And we are not prepared for that. Not as a citizen, not as a system, not as a company, and so on. And I think it's so important to talk about it now. And, yeah. and to really come out of this, if we can come out of this, this crisis with anything positive, it's the ability to learn and to move yeah. away from, from sort of determining why this happened and the blame to really, okay, what do we take out of this? What's the data telling us? And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's an important responsibility. Unfortunately, I think the maturity level that you have is not shared by everyone. Yeah, but we, we have to um, speak out, uh, speak up, and, and, and just tell people <laughs> to look at it this way. Because what you also see, and, and I was very much triggered by by the chapter in your book where you talk about blame. Um, and, and, um, and, and when I look at uh, how the media is reporting right now about, uh, about uh, the, the, the COVID pandemic and how they are comparing countries based on, 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 on indicators that you can't be sure of that they are really showing the, 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 how countries did during the, the COVID pandemic. And at a moment where you don't even know what is the, the, the final outcome of the, of the pandemic, uh, that, that really doesn't help to, to, um, to learn from it in a right. blame-free way. Uh, like, uh, it's about my country, but it doesn't matter. The, the economist uh, said, okay, Belgium is the worst country um, uh, dealing with, uh, with COVID. But if you look at the, 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 the indicators they used to, to make that, that statement, and you say, okay, but this doesn't tell the whole story. You can make a completely different story by just changing some of the indicators, and it's, it's, it's as... Um, as true as, as this story. So that's, that's really a problem right now. And uh, uh, what I see happening in, in Belgium is that politics, they, 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 they go on the defensive um, for this. And you said very well in your book, you can't do both. You can't learn and blame or, or punish in the same, at the same time. So now we are on the blame um, end of the, of, the, of the spectrum. We are blaming countries for the way they they. Uh, dealt with the, with the pandemic and we're not learning from it. I, I don't know what's your opinion about it, but how does it matter? It doesn't. Um, is, it, is it important that this country or this country did better? In my opinion, it's important what, what countries did that, that was successful to learn for, for, the next, uh, for the next phase. And maybe a country that didn't, good, didn't do good as a whole did something that was that's interesting for the next phase, but it's not very visible in the whole but it, but it was an interesting uh, approach they did for example um, so uh, that's what I'm worried about so what do you think I told you I mean I told you I, I told you I told you now I've told you I told you I told you I told you so that's Bert he's just the most pleasant person on earth I think I'm I'm going into some some kind of weird podcast crush that's what it feels like right now. But I really wanted to share this with you because I think it was worth our time to listen to. That is the pod. I owe you two minutes. Sorry, we went long. But, you know, I left the dog barking in because why would you cut that? I, I can't think of a reason to cut that out. That's a, that's a real honest-to-goodness fire dog talking to a fire horse. I mean, what other podcast are you going to get that on? Huh? What else? You can listen to any safety podcast you want to. You're not going to get that conversation. That's that's a world class first exclusive. That's what that is. 
So thanks for being here. Subscribe, tell your friends, keep listening. I appreciate you so much. It's been a fun ride so far, hasn't it? And we're not done. There's so much more. So uh, learn something new every single day. You did today. No question about that. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. Be a human being, as Bert said to us. And most importantly, be safe.